Party back cracking up in there, man. Let's do this. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Uncle the Young Bucks. Hey, what's going on, guys? What up, guys? Hey, Drew, what's up, Brandon? How you guys How's doing? How's it going, Eric? Man, doing really good. Uh, you know, we were supposed to be doing a lot more of these. Uh, well, at least uh, once a month, at least, is going to be better than never, right? Right, right. <laughs> no kidding. We're getting back into it, though, now. Because yeah, now yeah. the Browns' tough schedule's over. We don't have to talk about any of the bad stuff. We can just start talking about the wins when we get the easy <laughs> games. So we're going to be on here weekly, baby. Uh, I don't know about that, guys. We're going to be suffering here. It's going to be rough. It's yeah. Gonna... I think I said in the last podcast, I mean, we were – Possibly looking down, staring down the barrel of a two and five record uh, coming out of the well, two and four record going into the bye, two and five coming out of the bye because we play New England, and, and I guys, I just don't know how we beat New England. I really don't. That New England's defense is playing lights out, and unless Baker Mayfield just somehow has an epiphany and remembers how to play football, uh, I just don't know how he's going to pull out a win against New England in New England. It's going to be the toughest call. And I think if we lose New England, we go two and five. It's gonna be tough. This is this is speculation, but either Munkin or Freddie Kitchens is gonna be on the hot seat, and it's it, it might come down hard and heavy and quick. I sure I hope they don't start making coaching decisions that quickly. We have the toughest NFL schedule through the first seven eight weeks of the season. There is no reason why we should be thinking about firing somebody. 10 seconds into this, you know, first date. I know well, it's, there were like, lots of rumors coming out of Berea uh, and they weren't, they weren't necessarily coming from beat reporters and they weren't coming from, you know, necessarily nationally known sources, but there was plenty of brush fire out there saying that uh, Dorsey was extremely upset after the loss to the Seahawks. And now I actually think the Seahawks game, the Browns played probably their best all around right. game, even though it was a loss. There were some things that I didn't like. I didn't like the fact how much they're still relying on Callaway. I mm-hmm. hated the fact that Hollywood Higgins did not get in the game at all, which still is nuts. Got to be something behind that. That is one hundred percent not just an injury. There's there's something be. there. There's something there, and it just it's aggravating the hell out of me because he and Baker have a known uh, rapport together. You know, there's just so many questionable things going on. The play calling. Uh, you know, why aren't you giving the ball to Chubb when you're down, you know, at the goal line? It just didn't make any Third sense. Third and one from the that. one. Third Two and times. one. <laughs> yeah. I, it just nothing made sense in that game at all, period. End of story. I, I, I just I don't know what's going on, guys. I have no faith going into New England. And I, right. you know, I hate people are going to say, oh, well, you're not a Browns fan. No, I'm a huge Browns realistic. fan. I'm just trying to be realistic here. I mean. Some of these guys that just expected us to go 15 and 1, 14 and 2 this year. I didn't see that happening. Nope. I was saying 11 and 5, 10 and 6, and that's still a possibility. But if we lose to New England, we'll be 2 and 5, and that would mean that we'd have to win out the entire rest of the year. And I just don't know how we do that. I think 8 and 8 is reasonable. 9 and 7 might win the division and get us in the playoffs. But who knows? What do you guys think after that Seahawks game? I'll right. I'll let you take the floor on this one yeah, first. I'll follow absolutely. up with more hateful comments on Lamar Jackson to finish us out. Um, the whole time during that game, especially right before halftime, having a chance to go up, what was it, 15? And then that turnover in the end zone. Um, that just felt like that's a game that good teams put away, and we're just not there yet. Um, one thing that's really frustrating me is how often on third down – Nick Chubb is not on the field. Um, he's statistically one of the best receiving backs out of the backfield. Um, and well, I it's can, because Dontrell Hilliard's got fantastic hands. Didn't uh, you watch that last yeah, drive? Uh, 
great, great catch. Great catching ability. He's a a big-time asset on the third downs. Like, I just don't – I understand, like, the the passing aspect of it, and Hilliard is good in that that part. But, like, you're telling me that Nick Chubb can't block as well as Dontrell Hilliard to keep himself on the field? So, like, I just don't understand that part. Um, The play calling week to week blows my mind. There's no consistency. They have no identity. The times that they've ran the ball, they've looked really good. Um, the play action that was there last year hasn't been there as often. Um, Baker is anticipating pressure that's not there, which is causing inaccurate passes. And leaving the well, is it inaccuracy or is it the fact that some of the routes aren't being run properly? Right. I mean, there's a lot to be said Both. that we're only six games in. And none of these guys played together in the preseason. And right. so those first four games kind of were the preseason for Baker, Landry, OBJ, right. and Chubb. And you can throw Njoku, Njoku out there, but he's he's obviously been injured. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's no chemistry right now at all. The, the offense, yeah, there's no cohesion at all. But that comes the down to coaching. That right. comes down I to know. coaching. I mean, but, just like the Tennessee Titans game, we got our absolute butts handed to us when everyone had already – we were on to week two at that point. We were well, already writing our tickets to the playoff before you know we even faced the Titans. That's on Freddie. We looked so yeah. sloppy. We have looked so dang sloppy Actually, all, all was the that, time. Is that on Freddie or is that more that the players bit the hype? We have a very, very young team. I think we're the second youngest team in the NFL, if I remember correctly. Yes, and did are. they just maybe buy into – the hype too much i think did both. they just penalties yeah. has got to be on coaching I, it yeah oh it is but coaching. i think they bought the press you know what i mean yeah, and you know the game that concerns me the most guys it wasn't necessarily any of the games except for that game against the 49ers that 49ers right. game they quit and i that hate saying it but it was so obvious man they they came out, they got punched in the face, and it like immediately in the second quarter. Look, I'll be, I'll, I'll tell you, and I'm, sh- I'll, uh, I hate admitting it. I fell asleep at this halftime. I fell asleep. Lucky. I was like, this game's over. Right. I woke you didn't up have with to two minutes to go. I woke up with two minutes to go <laughs> in the fourth quarter, and I said, oh, I'm glad I didn't stay with that. <laughs> well, yeah. The problem is, it's like, Watching that game, and of course it had to be on primetime, our absolute biggest embarrassment outside of the first game of the year. It's on primetime, so everybody's watching, and it's it's just like we're back to 0-16 Browns. I literally, watching that game, the exact same emotions that I was feeling was the same exact thing every time I tuned in to watch a game for 1-15 and 0-16. and I I knew every time something good happened that I, I, I didn't even get happy because I knew within one to two to three plays – Something was going to come down and totally screw us up, and I would just get more hurt the more excited I got. And that is essentially how the season has been for me. The more excited I get about a 20-6 to lead over a really good team, the Seahawks, the more pissed off I am in the second half, wanting to throw my head into a pillow with all of the dumb stuff we've got going on. It's coaching. It's Baker. It's... I mean, officiating too. I mean, we're not getting help from anywhere. If we, right. you know, if there's one area we could use help, it'd be that as well. So I'm not going to ever blame a game on officiating. We shot ourselves in the foot enough to do that for, you know, a full year's worth of stuff. But I mean, <laughs> a team that could use some help certainly didn't get any. Well, through six games, what's your biggest concern through six? We're two and four. We're sitting right behind the Ravens. I, I, I'm not worried about the Ravens. I'm not worried about the division. I still think no. that's within reach. But what is your number one concern at two and four? I'll tell you right now, mine isn't Baker, isn't the offense. Mine is the defense. I think the defense is uh, not performing well. Our leading tacklers uh, last game were in the secondary, which means that they're not getting any stops in the front line or at the linebacker position. Miles Garrett's the only bright spot right now, but he's also been stifled a little bit because I think, I think pretty good. No, no, he has not been. He's Everybody actually, just points to missed tackles. That guy does so much for this defense other than just the one stat of missed not, tackles. He is not playing as well as he did last year. If you've been watching, he he's not the same guy. Not that he's bad. He's not playing bad. He's just not playing up to Joe Schobert's standards. But the look, I'm telling you, defense is my number one concern. And if you can't stop the run, well, Baltimore is going to win the division because they're just going to run the ball down your throat. But we did Drew, stop what? the run even directly against them. Yeah, Drew, I want to hear your opinion on that. I got a counter to that as well. 
Um, I think I would agree with that. Um, I've been much more concerned with the interior of our, our line. Um, Richardson and Larry have, I mean, at times played well, but overall they're just not, I mean, Baltimore couldn't run the ball to the outsides at all. So they started literally pounding it up the middle and were just chunk after chunk after chunk. Um, another thing, speaking on Joe Schobert, I think what we're seeing, the first, what was it, the first two games that Kirksey played, he played the Jets game, correct? Yes. So the first two games, Joe's coverage grade was phenomenal. After Kirksey went out, he's had to pick up slack for Mac. And that's affected his coverage grade. Also, we have the most missed tackles in the entire league once again. So that's contributing to that number with him. Agreed. Um, but when he's having to make a tackle every single running play, I mean, the that's man why I think his literally tackles are, are kind of inflated. And it was he has to hit everyone. It was that way last year too because we couldn't stop the run. If you look at his numbers the year before that, when we had Danny Shelton, as much as none of us really liked him that much, they stopped the run that year, if you remember, and they could not stop the pass at all. Joe Schobert was a pro bowler that year. Yes, he was an alternate, but his missed tackle count was relatively low, and that has to do a lot because of that. So if our interior of our line picks it up, that number is going to start going down. But, I mean, we got to start tackling like that's been a problem in with us for years now and and they got to fix it i mean you just got to start drafting players that are going to tackle i mean there's it's pretty simple yeah no i i I definitely see why where you guys are coming from on the defensive concerns especially with tackling what i will point out um in favor of our defense is the points that they have given up are so incredibly inflated thanks to Dumbass turnovers, picks in, you know, in inconvenient spots, not even, I mean, obviously we've had trouble in the red zone, but even, you know, on our side of the 50, how many turnovers have we screwed up? How many, I mean, we had a blocked punt last week, a team got the ball rate of the, what, 25, you know, however many yards, these teams that are having to score on us aren't having to go very far. So I have to give the defense a little bit of slack there because we aren't doing anything to help them on the offensive side of the ball. We're not a team like Seattle who doesn't turn the ball over much, who drives far into a team's, you know, into another team's, uh, you know, part of the field. And then when the other, you know, the other offense gets the ball back, they got to go the whole length of the field. So we haven't done anything to help our defense. I'm actually a little bit higher on our defense than I think you guys are where my biggest concern comes with. And I never in a million years thought that it would be this. Because if anybody was on his hype train, it would 100% be me. Baker Mayfield is concerning the living heck out of me. Not as I think he's a bust like an Austin Corbett or anything like that. But we are through six games of the year. We have two wins. We have four losses. In two wins, I believe Baker Mayfield against the Jets had about 50% of his passing yards come on one throw to Odell Beckham Jr., in which he did absolutely nothing. Drew... Eric and I all could have sat out there and made that exact same throw, and Odell still would have scored. And then our other win against the the Ravens, he threw, what, three interceptions? Two interceptions? And they weren't smart ones. Those, I mean, maybe one of them was a tip ball, but there were one where he just completely, you know, overthrew a guy and then just dumb decisions. He's got to know in the red zone not to turn the ball over. You can't throw... You can't throw the ball to Callaway in the red zone behind him. You just can't. He is 18 games into his career. If you look at his arc versus some of, you know, the most prominent Hall of Famers ever to play the game arc, uh, you look at Favre and Manning and all these other guys, very similar uh, projections or trajectories. They had very similar seasons. He's working his way through it. Again, I don't think I don't think it's any small thing to overlook here on the preseason and the fact that they did not play they played baker like he was a five-year six-year veteran Mm -hmm. and they shouldn't have if you look how many of those turnovers are the result of poorly ran routes wrong ran routes tipped balls on uh you know there what there was one ball i can't even remember what game it was i just remember it was callaway uh, it was on the goal line, and if you remember correctly, Callaway literally tossed the ball up yeah, in the air. That's what I'm saying. Just, but he's got to be smarter than that. You can't give that. Yeah, yeah but that's not on Baker. That's you, not on Baker. 
Half of it is you cannot throw the no. ball to Mr. No. Inexperienced Antonio Callaway, That's who we've seen time after time again fuck up and make these mistakes in the most important part of the field. If it's That's first and 10 a, from the that, 25, sure, throw are, it at Callaway. There are things that are Baker's fault. There are plenty of things that are Baker's fault. One, he's not staying in the pocket long enough. He's not stepping up into the pocket. Right. Eh, part of that's because the offensive line is terrible. The right side of the line is like Swiss cheese, and that yeah. pocket doesn't really form around him. So in his defense, there really hasn't been much of a pocket, but he doesn't let the plays develop, and I wonder if that's because he's getting too much pressure. But again, guys, and, and Drew said it earlier, there's just no cohesion, and I think a lot of it has to do with the preseason. So I am very, very hopeful that with this bye week going into New England, I don't care if we lose to New England, just as long as we don't lose to New England like we did to the Niners and like we did to the Texans. If we play another game like we did against Seattle, I think everyone will be okay. And as long as Baker keeps progressing, I have no concerns about him. And I remember, I think I told you guys this, I was not a Baker Mayfield fan to start with. I didn't want him. I originally wanted Darnold. In fact, Baker, I, I told you guys, Baker was the fourth of all those quarterbacks that I would have been happy with. But he's a Cleveland Brown, and now I'm all I'm all in. All the chips are in on Baker. So I would just say, cool your jets, Brandon. I don't think we're at that point yet. If we get to the end of the year, we got three, four games left, and our record's not good, and Baker has thrown 25, 27 picks and only you know, 18, 19, 20 touchdowns, or even less than that, then I would say, you know, Brandon, I think now's the time to sweat. Six games into his second season, 18 games into his career, it's way too soon. you got to give him three full years of games before you can say, I'm really concerned about him. I know, but I don't want to. It is the, it is the Cleveland Browns nature of me to want it now. I've been sick and tired of waiting. I'm sick and tired of no, the development. The I just want it now. That's the millennial. <laughs> oh, here, playing the H card. Oh, I've got to play the H card. <laughs> it, it's about the instant gratification. And, you, you guys, we have to be patient. We have to preach patience here. We have to. Are it's you going to break not... out film in black and white next time, too, when we're talking about stuff? I'm not, not that old asshole. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but what I'm saying is we have to have patience. We as a fan base, look, we've ha we've been pretty patient, to be very honest with you, but we have to be more patient with Baker. He was the number one pick. He wasn't the 22nd pick. He wasn't. He's not Brandon Whedon, Brady Quinn, Johnny Manziel. He's not Deshaun Kaiser that was not drafted in the first round. He was the number one overall pick. So he is going to get his time. We, you're, It's just going to happen. They're not going to bench him. Uh, everyone that's calling for Gilbert to come in, you guys are idiots for thinking Gilbert. <laughs> no one with an IQ above five has said anything about Gilbert coming in for Baker. Yeah, but if you've seen Twitter, well, then that means the collective <laughs> IQ on Twitter is five because there's some. Out oh, the collective IQ on Twitter might be negative. Negative three. Know. I would just tell you, Brandon, I wouldn't worry so much about Baker. And that, like Drew and I were talking about. I think our biggest issue is the defense because we really thought it was going to be a lot more stout than it's turning out to be this year. I thought we'd see more turnovers. Missing Greedy Williams and missing Denzel Ward are huge, huge issues. Uh, we're, we're, by the way, where's Avery been? Why isn't he playing? That's I, the one. Big, you guys were talking about Higgins earlier. That, to me, is one of the biggest head scratchers the entire season. He's been inactive every game as a healthy yeah. scratch. I don't get it. I think I saw, you know, I've read some articles about that saying that. This the defense setup doesn't fit him well, and I, and I can't go exactly into. The, I, I'm not educated enough on on the uh, you know the nuances between our defense from last year to this year and what you know exactly he brings to the position. Uh, well, Steve Wilkes better go and look at the film from last year because he was a player, and that's what I'm going at. You got guys who make plays, guys who there are football guys. Avery is a football guy. You put him on the field and he will do it. He will just get it done. No questions asked. He's a no bullshit kind of guy. I mean, he comes from very humble, you know, surroundings and beginnings. Those are types of guys that I want going out there, wrapping up the quarterback and taking him down to his knees. Cause I think that they can do it on a consistent basis and they're not going to get rattled. They're not going to, you know, create drama. I want guys like Nick Chubb and Avery running every position on my team. If I could. And, the fact that he hasn't been active and isn't playing a significant role, let alone a role at all on this defense, is mind-boggling to me. And one of the many things I think us Browns fans have a you know 
on our minds when we're going through these weeks and not seeing familiar faces that we would expect. Yeah, if you can't scheme a guy like that in your defense, then I I don't know what you're trying to do. I mean, the man, he's he's not going to be good in coverage. He showed that last year. But as a pass rusher, he was phenomenal. So you're telling me that you can't find some kind of sub package to get him in and like Chris Smith, you couldn't you couldn't get him snaps over Chris Smith. Like, come on now. Like I just don't understand that. Him and Higgins have well, been head scratchers. It's funny how much uh run that Garrett and Ogunjobi and Richardson and uh, 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 crap, uh, Olivier all got and how they're supposed to be this phenomenal pass rushing team. And so far, it's only Miles Garrett. Uh, in fact, I haven't heard Richardson's name, but maybe twice the entire season so far. And I, I love him as a player, but he's been relatively absent. Uh, Larry, love Larry O. He's one of my favorite Browns players of this team. Uh, but again, he's not. He's not getting the penetration he got last year. Uh, you do hear his name quite a bit more than Richardson's, but our linebackers aren't getting in there. We, I think we have more sacks out of our secondary than we do our linebackers, which right. something's got to give there. I mean, why aren't we getting our linebackers more pressure in on the quarterback? I don't get it. Why aren't our linebackers in on more pass breakups? Uh, our linebacking core has been subpar. Uh, the only one that's been playing really well by any stretch of the term to me is Mac Wilson, the rookie. I really like that kid. I think he's going to be a stud. Uh, it's just there's a lot to be – there's a lot left to in the season. There's a lot left to be learned. Uh, I think just take everything in doses here, but the team is extremely young. Hopefully they're going to gel. Hopefully they're all going to come to better uh, come together and get better as the season goes on. Um, let's just chalk it up to youth. Let's chalk it up to inexperience. Let's chalk it up to first-year head coach and Freddie uh, Kitchens not knowing what to do. Uh, you know, there were a couple challenges he should have thrown in that last game he didn't throw. The clock management was off. It was very Hugh Jackson-like, which was really drove me nuts. He really uh, has had a lot of Hugh Jackson resemblance to oh how he's coached God. it. Yes. Mismanaging clock. I want to score twice in a minute and 25 seconds. I'm not sure if uh, you guys are familiar with Warren Sharp, Sharp yep. Football. Um, yeah, he does some fantastic analysis and, uh, you know, I, I follow his page. He's had some really good posts talking about how, uh, in, or it might have actually been Cleve TA. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, uh, Drew, you might know, but Cleve TA or, or Warren Sharp, one or the other said that in the, you know, over five, 10 years, the amount of times that a team has scored successfully twice within the amount of time that we had on the clock was less than 2% of the time. Yep. Yep. How ridiculous is that for, and, and I'm sure the 2% that hit are, you know, out of the last 10 years, super good teams going against super bad teams and they were not trying to do it. It was probably crap luck, turnovers, close games, situational stuff. It was definitely not a, Hey, let's try to score quickly and do something rash and stupid to try to, you know, find them, you know, the means to justify getting a chance to score again against stopping a really fantastic offense led by a veteran quarterback. I don't know where he thought any of that made sense. And, and that's some of the rookie stuff that, you know, he's got to get through the play calling. You know, you guys said it. We don't have an identity. How, how, how can a team be successful without an identity? I've got a very easy solution to that. His name's Nick Chubb. Why don't we run him 50 times a game? Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but that guy moves our offense to tremendous levels when he has the ball in his hands. Even if he, you know, he, he'll average three, four yards a carry or, you know, even two yards a carry for the first maybe five, six, seven snaps that he's got the ball in his hands. But then we'll, and we'll watch that it unfold. That was the case last weekend. He was averaging almost eight yards a carry on his first seven or eight snaps. True, but what I'm saying is, is that sometimes he does start out slow, whether it's blocking up front or whatnot. But literally, you know, five within five snaps of the ball, five touches, he's gonna break one off for 10, 15, 20 yards. <laughs> and recently, it's been 50 plus almost every game. You can count on it. People you gotta were, have that. People were frying me last year when before the draft, I kept saying Nick Chubb was the best back in the draft, and everyone kept saying, "No, you're nuts." It's Saquon Barkley. Love Barkley. I love his game, but I. I see him very, uh, very much like Reggie Bush. He's he's out of that Reggie Bush cloth. 
Uh, I still think Nick Chubb will prove to be in the long run, the better back. And so far I'd be hard pressed to prove me wrong. I mean, you got to be able to be on the field uh, to prove that you're a better back. And so far Nick Chubb has been phenomenal. Um, still think he was the best back in the 2018 draft and I'm sticking by it. Right. Uh, you know, the one thing that's kind of been concerning to me with Freddie Kitchens is a lot of times you see him duking it out with the refs down on the sidelines. Like, and that's, he's putting his attention on that. So that's affecting scheming, play calling during a game. And that's not something that he necessarily was doing last year when he was play calling. Greg Williams kind of took that kind of thing. Um, so I would, what I would like to see is him just to, to focus like, I understand you're going to – you got to work the refs at some point, but he's doing it way too often, and it's affecting game – Well, his, his play calling. You're bringing up the referees, and obviously that's been a big subject right. this week across the NFL, and actually it's been a subject across the NFL all week yeah. – uh, all season, I mean. All season. Um, unless, you're yeah. The, yeah, unless you're the Packers or the Patriots, no calls are going your way. Right. Uh, obviously the, the Lions just had a, a victory snatched from them. Right. You can – Kind of arguably, look, we shot ourselves in the foot this weekend or this past weekend with the Seahawks, but you can kind of argue that the referees cost us that game as well. However, played the Browns a part did anything in to it. Help. Yeah, that's yeah, the problem. They, the Browns Fans. Did nothing, yeah, the Browns did nothing to help themselves. But man, the umpiring this year, or umpiring, Jesus, I'm thinking baseball, <laughs> refereeing this year. What in the hell is going on? I mean, it it's so funny to me. Today were the NFL meetings. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. But they kind of glossed over the officiating problem, and they admitted that there was a problem, but they didn't like really take ownership of the issue. Guys, this is the worst I have ever seen officiating yep. across the board, and it's gotten so bad that the NFL, as much as I love the Browns, and I actually had some guy on Twitter tell me bye when I made this comment. I said, it, the product is so bad, I don't even want to watch anymore because it, they've ruined the game. It, it's it. Some of these games are literally unwatchable. They are killing the NFL with all the rule changes, with you know these questionable calls, with the pass interferences to the horse collar tackles that aren't horse, horse collar tackles. Everything is just, man, they've got a problem. How do they fix it? Sky Judge, easy. Just ask me for. All right, so they put the sky judge in the booth. How did they make it from not, you know, going, you know, up to a four-hour game? I mean, you don't have the sky judge. A sky judge is a real-time official. He is just, at least this is how it's been explained to me, and I was listening to part of my take today, and they had Mike Pereira on and talked to him about the use of a sky judge, and he's he's in favor. But two it's Uh-oh. a real-time Uh-oh. official. Yeah, Brandon, you got to pay your internet bill. That cheap Wi-Fi still hurting, guys, or can you hear oh me Oh, my God. Somebody, hey, let's get, get a Patreon hamstring. out there. Somebody donate some money so Brandon can get some better Wi-Fi. Venmo, Brandon Dash Get the other hamster out, bro. <laughs> Come on now. Let me know when I'm back in. Well, so what me? were you saying? Because we had about a little five-second lapse of uh, audio from you. That's funny because you guys probably like think that's what I. <laughs> yeah, look at that. <laughs> hey, hey, Drew, you dumped him on purpose, didn't you? Yeah, it's that, <laughs> it's that Cleveland Wi-Fi up there. No, I, 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 it was the dump button. He, he was saying some nonsense, so we just can't have that on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a Baker Mayfield stand account, so we gotta lay off. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, did we lose Brandon? We might have actually lost, lost him. Oh wow! Hello, hello. Oh, oh, he's back! Oh, he's back! Back from the dead. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> oh, there went the ratings. Oh, yeah. Brandon's back on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad our viewership reached an all-time high for a solid four seconds. <laughs> we'll have to implement that into more shows. So, what were you saying about the sky sky judge? Mike Pereira is in favor of it. I trust him a lot. Um, it's essentially a real-time official that is not supposed to add any extra time to the game they only step in if they see something from above because they have a different angle it's just giving you a a better angle and what i hope it is is 
it's like one of those things where if you're watching at a bar, you see one quick replay, and when everybody at the bar looks at each other and says, wow, they fucked up, that's what the sky judge is there to hopefully prevent. Right. I don't know, man. They got to do something. That's all I know. Penalties are an yeah, all-time it, high. Well, I mean, they that's have... like when you – did you watch the Packer in Detroit oh, yeah. game? Yeah, I actually did. I mean, the, 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 the calls the against the yeah the calls against wow. Detroit were egregious. Uh, literally snatched a win away from Detroit, who has actually had a really good season so right. far. You, you can't sit there and not be upset about that, um, and you can't blame even the Browns for coming out after the game with the Seahawks. Now, granted, again, we already said this. I hate to beat a dead horse here, but you know the Browns shot themselves in the foot that, that past game, but. You know, when Baker came out and said something about the umpiring, oh, there I go again with baseball, with the refereeing, uh, when Kitchens kind of alluded to the fact that the referees were making some uh, some terrible calls, uh, which was funny because he says, I got a memo and I, I'm not allowed to talk about it. So it's funny. So the NFL, you know, the NFL has passed down a decree to say, hey. Coaches, shut the hell up about the umpire. Uh, oh, man, the umpire. I'm just going to own it. Those damn umpires. I'm going to own it. Hey, it's, it's October, man. You're, you're in baseball season, man. Tribe's been out for a while, but this guy's still going. <laughs> so what yeah. about the news of the day, you guys? You know, uh, let's talk about that Miles Garrett thing that came out about 3 o'clock today. Uh, did, did you guys see the story? I did. I think Brandon did it. I'm just going to stick to that. Uh, Brandon, yeah. what the uh, hell? You're like all of what, six foot and one eighty? I am six foot two and completely <laughs> undersized compared to that man. I got off work early. I wanted to make sure that you know I'd, I'd get to at least get a picture with him first, and then I thought, why not test my luck and you know see if he wants to go? Might make myself an NFL player if I can beat up Miles Garrett. Right? They got to have me on the line then afterwards. Well, what's so your forty what? time? <laughs> yeah, uh, trust me, it's not as fast as Gary. <laughs> to put this into perspective, that man would beat me in every physical category known to mankind. The only sport I might be able to take him in is ping pong, only because his hands are too big to fit around a freaking ping pong paddle. Oh, that's good. That's good. No, oh, yeah. But, hey, what would ever. Why would anybody ever think about doing that? The only reason I can think of is they said he was taking a selfie. I guarantee he he was he had that thing on record. He's posting on Snapchat, posting on TikTok, just to get the. He's just trying to get the run. TikTok. TikTok. I, I mean, what do you think? He's literally probably just trying to get the run. I think WEWS Channel Five in Cleveland today came out with a guy's name. I'm not going to repeat it here because uh, I don't know if that's been confirmed. But I think he's like a 23 year old kid. Uh, I say kid, but, you know, he's 23-year-old, like Strongsville or something. Mental capacity of a toddler. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, what would possess you to do something so stupid? The world is full of he, stupid people. Had to be a Steelers fan. Or he's Steelers. the guy that said Garrett Gilbert should be starting over Baker Mayfield because <laughs> that's the kind of IQ I would expect from somebody <laughs> to do that kind of him, stuff. Him and his two brain cells rubbed together and he got an idea. <laughs> surprised he's allowed to have a phone you'd think that we have like rules and restrictions in place to prevent people without you know intellectual capabilities to be able to grasp social media and be able to function throughout daily life that we're allowed to give them cell phones and have them interact with people that are extremely important to all of our lives since miles garrett is you know a bright star in this defense yeah, it, it's crazy. I actually saw a video. It, it was very funny, actually. Miles Garrett retweeted it because he was calling the guy out. There was a guy uh, two cars back and a couple cars over that got the aftermath on video where he, the guy jumped into his car and took off. And Miles Garrett was kind of ribbing him a little bit like, uh, you decided to pull your phone out when he was driving away and not when he actually hit me, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But yeah, uh, I just don't know what possesses a person to do that. You know, Thinking back when there was a change, this shift in, you know, fan and player relationships, it's probably maybe 20 years and, you know, not exact or anything like that. But when there, the loss of innocence came between fan and player, it used to be that we revered these guys. We held them up high in pedestals, good or bad. You know, we did. I remember growing up that, you know, in Berea, I used to go to the, the Browns facility all the time and I'd see these guys and I had such reverence for them. I would never think 
of doing anything stupid. Uh, you know, but th- then there started to be the, all these fan interactions where you got autograph hawks and, and, you know, grown men pushing kids out of the way to get an autograph or catching a foul ball or, you know, just doing jackass type shit. It, it has changed the dichotomy of, you know, the interaction of the fan and the player. Yeah, so it is getting out of hand. I remember I, I was very fortunate enough to go to a lot of Cavs games when I was a kid. My dad and I, you know, we grew up watching Cavaliers basketball. I would wait in line for four hours after a game if I had to. I mean, I it, nothing else in the world mattered to me than to see these gigantic people, which they were a lot bigger than me then because I was two feet tall, come up and sign an autograph for me. And to me, the second I got that autograph, it was it was not currency. It wasn't, you know, it didn't have monetary value. It was just extremely valuable to me for the experience and knowing the value that, you know, this team brings to me throughout my life. And, you know, I, I don't get why people are, you know, as you say, autograph hawks. I, I don't understand it. I've I've amassed a decent collection for a 22 year old and I have zero interest in selling a single single bit of any of my you know memorabilia that i've collected over the years are you guys the same way absolutely yeah i yeah absolutely i don't want to do that and but what did this guy get from you know he's getting probably charges and a police record for a simple assault well you know, I so, mean, <laughs> why, why do why do people streak across the field at sporting events there's not really you know a rhyme or reason why it, you know why those things happen but they just do we're streaking <laughs> we're streaking who the heck was the first guy or girl that did that? Like, how did that start? Who, who, yeah, where where did the two brain cells rub together and be like, all right, I'm at a sporting event. What happens if, now I know this is crazy, I took off my clothes and got on the field and, you know, ran around like a, you know, a baboon. Where, where like the combination of the events happening, who started I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's a really good question. On at the time, God, it blows my mind. All right, obviously Brandon's having some audio (laughs) problems again. (laughs) Get the Uh, hamster going, bud. Get that hamster rolling again. Get some power up in your place. Play the power bill. (laughs) Uh, It's funny that you say that though, but you know, it's like you guys are probably too young to remember Morgana, the Kissing Bandit. You know, that she was the well-endowed female that would jump over the fence and she would sprint out of the field and kiss the center fielder or kiss the second baseman. She's very, very well known. But uh, it's funny. I don't know who started streaking. I don't know whatever prompted her to do that. But those were all innocent things. You know, somebody actually, you know, tapping Miles Garrett on the cheek through a car window. That's pushing the limits. That's overstepping a boundary. And there used to be a boundary. And. Is it social media that broke down that wall? Probably. People get views and get known, and then they're known as the dude that punched Miles Garrett in the face, and his friends know that forever. Um, even he's also he's the look, getting charges press. He's also the sissy that got in his car and drove away. <laughs> also, that's yeah, true. Well, I don't care who you are. Uh, there's not many people that wouldn't run uh, from Miles Garrett. To be honest with you. <laughs> He's just a, he's a physical freak uh, in every good sense of the term. But yeah, I think social media has led to the idiocy, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the wall has been broken down between fan and player and no longer is there a reverence for these guys. There no longer is there a respect for, you know, I don't know if it's because they make, you know, massive amounts of money. I don't know if it's because they interact now personally on on social media more closely with their fans or we have more access to them because of social media. Um, it, it, does it make a, a fan or a, just a guy in the street feel more entitled to, you know, the presence of that athlete? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I never looked at them in awe. Uh, reverence and awe are two different things. I, you know, having respect for somebody and for what they do is one thing. I was never in awe of them. Uh, not that I can be aware of. I don't know if there was ever one player that just actually, you know, made me like feel weird. Uh, but I just don't get, I, I don't get the allure of, you know, trying to get famous off of being an asshole. Right. Well, you're not a millennial, so it's not in your blood. So tell I, me, why, Drew? Tell me what what would why do millennials why did the younger set think it's okay? 
I don't know, because I like I definitely didn't have that mindset. Um, gr- growing up, you know, I would see an athlete or someone famous, and if they were in public, you know, I would go and try to get a picture or an autograph. But the the more I've grew up, like those are, I've realized those are normal people that have normal lives. So I just try to like try to leave them be, let them do their own thing, especially out in public. I'm the same way, absolutely. Um, and and you know the the older I've gotten, the more people I've seen in public, and the more chances I would have had. But I just I'm not the, that person. I'm not the dad that sends his kid down to the autograph line to get an autograph so that he can sell it. Yeah, I don't know. it's goofy. And you know, I was saying, you know, I've never been uh, like I said, I've never been awed by an athlete. I've always uh, admired them, uh, you know, respected them. I think I, I take that back. The only time I'm ever in awe is when there's some human that's an athlete that is just, you know, ungodly sized. Uh, thinking back, I ran into and I met Zydrunas Ilgaskis many, many moons ago. I think it was his rookie season. And up until that point, the biggest human being I'd ever met prior to that Lou Groza, uh, as far as size and mass. So, I mean, when it comes to physical size, there's a, there's a different uh, emotion that comes into play when, you know, because I'm six foot one, I'm not a small guy, and I, I'm looking up at this guy, and it's like you, you do feel a little bit intimidated, but it's more of because of the, the actual person itself. Uh, I ran into Kelly Holcomb one time, too, and it was the exact opposite. He was listed, I think, at 6'2 on his stats. I'm six one, and he I had two and a half inches on him, so they, <laughs> they, they pad those stats quite a bit. Yeah, like Kyler Murray's probably just five feet tall, but they've got him listed as five ten. You never know till you're on the field with him, but he sure looks like he's five feet tall. It's funny you bring up Z though. So Drunas Tilgauskas is actually my one of my favorite uh, memorabilia that I have. I have a Drunas Tilgauskas shoe that's autographed by him. Nice. What a crazy piece of memorabilia i mean the shoe was the size of three of my faces and z is one of my all-time favorite cavalier players so yeah that, I, i've always loved uh big z he's always yeah. one of my favorites too well Absolutely. while we're on the subject so i'm gonna go with probably my zadruna Solgowska shoe as my favorite piece of collectible memorabilia for sports you guys have one in particular that sticks out to you um as far as favorites um, I collected a ton when I was younger. Um, I think the coolest thing that I've gotten is I've got a I've got a an Indians game program from I think it's nineteen fifty four fifty five, um, and then I've got a a ticket from a game. With, I think it was the same year. Um, my grandpa and he would like. He would literally ride the train over to the stadium and back afterwards. Um, and it's just, it's really cool to look through and see all that old type stuff from, a, you know, a historic team from back in the day. Um, I've got that. And I think that the cool, the other coolest thing I've got um, before Durant went to Golden State, I was a huge KD fan. Snake. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a KD Kobe signed picture. God dang! And that thing is like my prized possession. I'm sorry, that thing's tanked in value. <laughs> It'll be worth something someday. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I, I, I've got a couple pieces. I got uh, one that uh, is my prized piece. Uh, my wife bought me for my birthday maybe about eight years ago now. Uh, is a 1964 signed and framed. A uh, picture of the 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 championship Browns with Frank Ryan, nice. uh, Gene Hickerson, uh, Jim Brown, yeah. and oh my gosh, who I'm forgetting the other guy. Oh my God, there's another. But it had four signatures. Uh, three of them are in the Hall of Fame. So you know, oh, it's kind of awesome. it's really cool uh, that uh, three of the players are in the Hall of Fame. So I've got that hanging on my wall downstairs. But uh, kind of a unique piece. Uh, I did this. As you know, I illustrate a lot of stuff. I did this piece of uh, Jack Nicholas from the 1986 Masters uh, when he won, when he hit that putt to win everything. Um, and I illustrated that moment, and I had a big poster printed out of it. Uh, ran into a gentleman that he loved the print, and he's like, hey, can I get a print? Uh, he, unfortunately, I hate saying this, he's one of those autograph chasers. 
Uh, he paid wow. me for the print, and he says, "If you if you pay or if you give me a print for X, you know, a discounted rate, I can get you Jack Nicholas's signature on another one if you send me two two prints." So I did. I sent them two prints, and about a month later, I got one of them back, and sure enough, with the photograph of Jack Nicholas signing it. So I have a large poster sized print of my illustration with Jack Nicholas. Awesome. So that's pretty cool. That one, that one I'll never ever get rid of, obviously. So right. uh, Yeah, that is pretty sweet, actually. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, I still get confused on which one's the actor and which one's the (laughs) golfer, if you want me to be completely honest. Jack Nicholson was the Joker. (laughs) Jack Nicholas is from Columbus area. He's a buckeye. Very easy to remember, guys. And believe me, I, I hear you. I'm telling you, if we did this call in an hour, I would be asking the exact same question completely. Speaking, speaking of the Joker, have you guys seen it yet? I have not, so no spoilers. I have. Not. I have so let me let me break down the 10 second review for you guys. Yeah, the don't Joker. take too long, but is it? No, no, no. Do, it's gonna be quick. Skip. It All is right. riveting. It is polarizing. It is disturbing to some. And it is extremely aggressive in the nature that it presents it. Things are extremely realistic and you can very much understand how things get from point A to point B in a sense that it's not like, you know, Jokers of old where falls in a pit of acid and then boom, you know, you got this supervillain. It's real life and it wears and tears on you. And yeah, well, that was a tangent. (laughs) That's a tangent too much. I, I do want to go see the movie, yes, so don't ruin it for me. But it's just, you know, uh, just a timely little a- anecdote there. But no, it's uh, guys, uh, you know. So hey, bye week. Um, w- can't lose. Yeah, we <laughs> can't, can't lose. lose. I, I knew someone was going to use that dumbass joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it had to be Drew. Bye week was our week. Hey, we I got to look forward it. to, man. All right, so we got the Patriots at New England. Um, what do you guys think? We've got a very favorable schedule after that, but realistically, guys, can we beat the Patriots? Realistically, yes, it's possible. Is it likely? Absolutely not. Then again, there's always one game, one game you look throughout yeah. the year, one one game for and one game against. We've already used our against on the Titans where you know you 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 walk into the game already assuming you've got the victory we assumed we were beating the titans we got our butts handed to us it doesn't make any sense why and then there's always one game that you win that you have no business winning playing at the patriots at home at Gillette stadium is not supposed to be something the browns are good at can we ha- can it happen absolutely tom brady is a shell of his former self that defense is incredible but good offenses always beat good defenses especially with the way things are being officiated so it's a, it's a, there's a chance, and there's always one game that we shouldn't win that we do. Yeah, I'd feel a whole lot more comfortable if it was in Cleveland next week. Um, for some reason, New England always has a game or two during the year, most years. That, last year. Yeah, like uh, they, they've had problems with the Dolphins in Miami years past. I don't think. You know, <laughs> not this year. Not this year, but <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, maybe the week and a half off will get us ready to go and we'll come out looking a whole lot more crisp and then I would give ourselves a chance. But if we play, if we play like we have for most of the year, that one might get ugly quick. Yeah, I don't expect us to win, but it's, there's a chance. I'm not expecting us to win. I just hope and pray that we play a decent game. And keep it close. If we have a chance to win in the fourth quarter and we end up losing, I will say that at this point, with everything that's already transpired this season, that will be one of those quote-unquote moral victories. And I'll be okay with that uh, as long as they continue to improve and then start racking up the wins in the following weeks. If not, then I change my mind and I'll I'll be (laughs) Yeah. Hey, guys, let's – Let's try to button this up. And, you know, the one thing that we haven't talked about, we talked a lot of Browns. Obviously, there's no Indians to talk about other than the fact that 93 wins was the most wins since, I think, 2002 for a team not to make the playoffs. Crazy. I'm not happy. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, (laughs) But let's talk a little bit Buckeyes real quick before we end the show today. Um, You know, they got they dropped 
uh, from three to four in the AP. Remember, the AP doesn't mean squat. We've got two weeks right. until the first uh, you know, playoff polls come out. I was a little bit surprised that LSU jumped so high by beating an overranked Florida. And I know people are going to kill me for saying that, but I still, think, I still think Florida's overranked. Uh, and I still think that there's a huge SEC bias due to their relationships with CBS and ESPN. However, I thought LSU would have jumped up to three and knocked us down to four. I didn't see them jumping all the way up to two and knocking us down. Uh, just didn't see that happening. A um, little surprised. That was a phenomenal game. Joe Burrow, former Buckeye, um, Buckeye real. graduate. Uh, if uh, right now he's my leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman, even he though everyone's be. on Tua, uh, I still don't think Tua is the best player in the nation. You know, just because everybody, all the experts say Tua is the best player in the nation, I don't see it. I don't think he throws a really great ball. You know, he just happens to play for Alabama, so everybody that plays for Alabama immediately gets inflated because they are a phenomenal team. And playing um, the schedule they do, Drew and I would have a 200-plus passer rating against the sister well, of the four. I think if I were, if I read somewhere right, and I think Ohio State football actually tweeted this out, of all of the undefeated teams that are ranked, Ohio State has the toughest schedule out of all of them. I think they were around 19th. I think Alabama was around 61st or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Clemson so, and Alabama are the weakest of all the undefeated teams in terms yeah. of their schedule. So everyone always talks about who we play. And you know what, guys? And I'm tired of hearing that schedule crap. They play who they play on the schedule. College football, unlike the NFL, they schedule that so far out in advance. And, yes, we had a couple cupcakes on the schedule to load up the season. But everyone forgets, if I'm not mistaken, we were supposed to play Tennessee this year. Uh, a few years ago, And I, there was Tennessee. We had a home-and-home home versus Tennessee schedule. There was a home-and-home home versus Georgia that was scheduled. Because of the new Power Five that got, you know, everything happened, all those games got dropped. Tennessee, well, Tennessee dropped is us. a cupcake match, to be well, honest. Well, it is you. now, but when we scheduled them originally, they weren't. So okay. we dropped Tennessee because of the schedule, and then Georgia dropped us, or vice versa. I, very, you know, who cares either way, but these schedules are set so far out in advance, you can only play who's on your schedule. And yeah. look. We Cincinnati is now a ranked team. We played them. We've won. Granted, they're they were twenty fifth or twenty fourth or whatever. But you know, it's not like we're playing a terrible schedule. But everybody's playing a terrible schedule. So that said, I heard uh, Kirk Herbstreet says that Ohio State is the best team in the country, regardless of the ranking. The Joe Klatt says it. Joe Klatt says it. I think I even see saw Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, even he did. <laughs> I he said that Ohio State was the best team in the nation. I don't like and, hearing that, honestly. Like, I need him to say that there's 10 SEC teams better than Ohio State because when he starts saying it, now the pressure's actually on the Buckeyes to win. What? But there's no pressure, though. You think about it. There's zero pressure on the Buckeyes. Zero. I think there's 100 times uh, more pressure than the only. The only pressure on the Buckeyes in my eyes is just that Michigan game. Everything else is going to fall into place. I am very worried about Wisconsin. The running game, Jonathan Taylor. I think that uh, the Wisconsin game is always the one that I always mark. And are we at Camp Randall this year? I can't remember off the top of my head. No, we have them at home. Our only tough okay. game we have on the road is at Michigan. At Michigan, okay. Yeah. So we got Penn State and Wisconsin at home. So I'm not saying the Buckeyes deserve to be the AP number one because the AP we all know is is horse crap, uh, and they. You know, those those writers, they just they vote with the wind. I mean, they, they don't watch any of the games. They just go on what they hear on ESPN and all that crap. Uh, but I do say before last week's upset where South Carolina beat Georgia, which, by the way, I absolutely loved living here in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. I may or may not have gone outside and screamed, go Cox. Sounds <laughs> a little I may or may not have done that. Gotta love Wilma's uh, champ. But I'm, I, I tell you, it was funny prior to that game. I had Ohio State 1, Georgia 2 with just the way they were playing. Alabama, I had it 3 because in the SEC, I, I hate saying it, but yes, they are, they are Alabama. Alabama is a premier program, but they have not played great. And I had Clemson at four, and I had Wisconsin Clemson's at five. Not even a top five team in my category. Oh, Clemson's playing terrible right now, and a lot of that's doing uh, due to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he's not, not playing. Play well. well, he's he's playing he's playing well. He's just not playing like he he's did not last. Not playing Trevor Lawrence. 
yeah what we expect it's like baker mayfield not trying to compare the two because they're in two totally different situations but you know trevor had a fantastic year last year when he filled in you know stepped up and took over and now this year he's having by a lot of standards a very good year but definitely not the year that he had last year not anything close to what expectations were and so that's why i think they're struggling so we got a weird game this week we play northwestern on a friday um so you know drew you're our big buckeye guy so what's going on what's the feeling about this game well it's kind of weird i mean that they schedule a game on a Friday night in Ohio, especially in Ohio, because high school football is so big here. And I remember when that got scheduled that way, there was a big fuss about it. Um, I don't think as far defensively, um, they're pretty good. Pretty uh, good. I, I wouldn't say I, like Mich- comparing them to Michigan State. Michigan State's defense is pretty good too. Hey, just to correct you real quick though, you we're not. It's not a home game. We're we're in North. We're at Northwestern. Uh still, still hey, with it being because Northwest. Yeah, night. Northwestern's the one that scheduled that game on the Friday, and that's where all the the hubbub came from. Is that we didn't like it being on a Friday, but Northwestern kind of is the one that 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 scheduled that. Go on though. Sorry, well, sorry. To well, I've also I, I think there were rumblings about. Big Ten games trying to get scheduled on Friday nights in the future. Terrible uh, idea. Which is Terrible. not a good idea with football here. Um, that's like that's the high school kids tonight. Let's leave it that way. Because otherwise, I mean, some high schools are going to have their fans there, but it's going to draw fans away from those games, which isn't fair to those kids. And uh, we already have oversaturation yeah. with the NFL because I wish right. to God the NFL would kill the damn Thursday night Thursday games. Night. Yeah. They're yeah, never good. Booger's I the mean, greatest thing in the history of the world, said no one ever. I mean, how many games at the beginning of the NFL year do you look at and say, oh, that's that should be a good Thursday night game? Like, maybe a couple at the beginning of the year, and then somebody gets hurt, and then it turns into a crap fest. Well, we all I thought like- the first game of the year was going to be the uh, the uh, Bears versus the Packers, and what was that, 13 points in that game? Yeah, man. I like my football on Thursdays like I like my turkey on Thursdays once a year, every year. <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah, that's i like that, that. that's good i might have to start using that but um get, getting back to the buckeyes um the defense is better than just good if you look at it from a statistical standpoint i think even ohio state football tweeted a graphic of it in terms of total defense i think they're number one or two in the nation their run defense is number one or number two in the nation their their secondary has played phenomenal i get it the schedule the the strength of schedule I, so far I think they're the only i think they're the only team in the country that has an offense and a defense both in the top 10 top and yeah. they, actually i think they might be both in the top five i think it's top five i could be wrong there but wow. maybe that's the bias well, we haven't played, I'm not going to lie, we haven't played that many fantastic defenses yet. We haven't gotten into the bulk right. of our Big Ten schedule. Michigan State's the only team that you can say, and even Cincinnati, who has good defense. Now, we blew the doors off Cincinnati, and we played our worst game of the year against Michigan State and still, you know, beat yeah. snot out of them, kind of. You know, but I think, I think, unfortunately, with the way that the Big Ten is viewed from, you know, national perspectives, two games matter this year, and that's... Wisconsin the first time and whoever we play hopefully in the Big Ten Championship you can only lose one of those you you can lose one game this year and maybe make it if you win against Wisconsin and then you know clear out the rest of your schedule and lose to them in the Big Ten Championship there is no way in heck they're going to give two Big Ten teams a bid to go to the college football playoffs it's just not going to happen we are number seven offense in the nation. We are number two defense, uh, which if you look, uh, it's it's actually funny. Wisconsin's the number one defense. Penn State's the number four. Iowa's number five. Uh, there's only one. There's only one top ten defense from the SEC, and I bet you you would not get it if you want it's if Florida. you even guess right now. No, it's not. It's not. They were in. They were. They were pretty highly ranked in they're, defense prior to last week. They're number twenty. Okay. You won't get it. I won't. It's I, Vanderbilt. No, it's no, it's Missouri, number six. Wow, oh, nice. I would have never guessed that. That's actually yeah, which incredible. is crazy. So, so that's a little bit telling there. I mean, it just goes to show you that it, you know, it a lot of stuff is overstated when it comes to the SEC. A lot of it's a lot of you know is 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 crazy. Look. 
Oklahoma's number one offense, LSU. Uh, Alabama's six, we're seven. Uh, Georgia's still ten. Uh, you know, so a- again, we're the only team in the top ten, Brandon, in both those total offense, total defense. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's yeah, good and news. If my for high us. school football team played the same conference that Oklahoma did. We'd be top five in offense too. <laughs> Oh, man. But, well, hey, we got a we got a fun week coming up um, with the bye week. We got Northwestern football fun. on Friday. We got bye week on the Browns. Uh, we got the Patriots coming up, and then we have a really light schedule after that. So hopefully, you know, today this is going to be all from Uncle and Young Bucks. Today we hope to come back uh, here in the next week or two. We don't hope, give you gentlemen. Yeah, we, yeah we will be back. We, we will. We will be back. Be back. Uh, but uh, no, I just wanted to say good afternoon, good night, good evening. See you manana. Brandon. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And girls, sorry. No no gender care here. It was really great. <laughs> I, I enjoyed talking with you guys. So hopefully let's let's get back on the horn and do this again. You know, yeah, we, there's a lot of good stuff know, going on. We enjoyed your terrible internet tonight, Brandon. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad that I'm glad the viewers can laugh at my misery. Drew. Ditto, boys. It's uh it's been fun. Let's uh let's make this Browns push the end of the year and uh, get some exciting football back on the field. All right, guys. You guys have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to everybody again soon. All right. Signing off. Later, guys.